Gunner, and I've been called many things. Gun enthusiast, monster hunter, doomsday prepper. I reject all these labels. What I am is a survivalist. I've scoured the dirt and dust of Nevada and Mexico, putting my life on the line to hunt supersized subterranean man-eating predators called graboids. Join me as I enter into and beneath the sands of hell. Welcome to Now Playing's Tremors Retrospective Series. This is important now. This is probably the biggest zoological discovery of the century. These creatures are absolutely unprecedented. Hosted by Arnie. I'm a masterpiece of self-destruction. Stuart. Well, I'm blessed with a sunny disposition. Most people seem to like it. And Jacob. You guys do what you do best. Find something simple and complicated. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Makes my skin crawl. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, life and survival starts here. Today we're discussing Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Starring Jamie Kennedy, Tanya Van Gran, Jamie Lee Money. Not Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee Money. <laughs> she is money. <laughs> How much money would it have taken to get Jamie Lee Curtis? And Michael Gross. Directed by Don Michael Paul. And he could have been directing Kindergarten Cop 5. Who's that, Van Damme, Steven Seagal? Which one do you get for that one? <laughs> I'm not sure. Carrot Top. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> He's more ripped than any of those other ones. This is the Now Playing co-host who, you don't wonder why I go to strip clubs, Arnie. And Stuart. And this is the host who sure as shit ain't the Easter Bunny, Jacob. You know, we didn't have to be here today. We didn't have to have this cold day in hell because hell almost froze over instead. Blumhouse and Kevin Bacon. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, they're good friends. Reteamed and filmed the pilot for Tremors the TV series. No shit. Oh, a TV series. I knew about this. I figured Tremors 5 must have done pretty well because almost as soon as that movie debuted... There was this thing about getting it going with Kevin Bacon, which, again, makes it feel special. Yeah, around the time of Tremors 5 coming out, Kevin Bacon was promoting one of his multitudes of projects. I mean, that guy works a lot. And we know why. And he said, on record, he would love to appear in the next movie and wonders what Burt Gummer would think of Val now. Wait a minute. He wants to be in one of the movies? Get that going. He said he was game. But then it ended up being Blumhouse and Kevin Bacon were doing kind of what Blumhouse does. We're ignoring all the sequels. Tremors happened. And the story is Kevin Bacon's Val was like a hotshot. He was a rock star after the Graboid kills of 1989. And since that time, no Graboids have been seen. And his life has gone on the skids. He goes back to perfection where he has to make up with his estranged daughter, and he shows up, then strange things start happening. He's saying, it's Graboids, I know it's Graboids, and everybody else is thinking, yeah, you just want the glory days back. You wish it was Graboids. And they filmed the entire pilot 
it's out there somewhere. I, I've seen the trailer. The trailer was pretty good because it started with Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive and then transitioned to Beck's Loser for music. As you see Kevin Bacon back as Val. So the premise of the show is that although called Trimmers would be about a washed up guy who never gets a graboid? No, that it was revealed in the trailer there are graboids. He is right. Okay, <laughs> like that would be really weird. That's I can't even imagine what that would be like. Each week you're like graboids yet? Nope, nothing. <laughs> and so, yeah, he he was going to be an alcoholic who was on the recovery and trying to reconnect with his daughter, so there was something there for him to work on as an actor. Oh, yeah, that's the setup. Okay, but yes, he's obviously finds his purpose when the things come out of the ground again. And you're saying this was filmed, no one picked it up, it never leaked out. It was made for sci-fi. I don't know why you'd go back there again after the travesty of the first series. They're willing to write a check? Yeah. Where where are you going to put it? Lifetime? (laughs) I mean, we're talking 2016, 2017 here. The trailer I found was in 2018 that it finally leaked out. And sci-fi passed. They shopped it to Netflix, which was really the only other game in town at that point. Sure. Netflix passed. It died. Amazon, get on this. (laughs) And Michael Gross was not going to be a part of that. No, that's why it failed. There it is. (laughs) You can't make chairs without Michael Gross. Maybe he's like some uber powerful Hollywood person. You know, maybe he's in charge of one of the cabals QAnon's posting about. He was involved with the mafia and Cool as Ice. Yeah, so maybe he pulled the strings and has the juice to cancel Kevin Bacon's (laughs) series. Wow. But we could have had that and it looked Good. It looked well shot. It looked well acted. Okay. We were back in perfection, and it felt like perfection. I have not felt so bad about a canceled project since the leaked Deadpool trailer, and I saw what a Deadpool movie could have been. That Kevin Bacon Tremor series needs to happen, but we have this. Yes, yes. Um, and would they have made this regardless? Would Michael O'Gross insisted on going his own route and you could have had the two going on at the same time? I really doubt it. But then again... Yeah, there's a character that will be tying back to Kevin Bacon's Val. Filming commenced of this in January 2017. The series was not picked up in 2017. I think this was a green light no matter what happened with the series. I don't know if we'd have Shrieker Island, but we'd probably have had this. You know, I can't say that I'm needing, with so much TV in existence, that I need a Trimmer show, but I could see that they might have had something there. And I kind of like the premise that you set up. But maybe Kevin Bacon in a movie is what we should hope for. I mean, again, why, why he wouldn't agree to come back and star in Shrieker Island. You know, I looked him up, and I thought his career had really hit the skids, right? And when I was reading him talking about why he wouldn't come back to Tremors 2, well, A, he considered Tremors a personal low point in his career all the way around, but second, he didn't want to do direct-to-video. And I'm like, well, these days he's doing direct-to-video. He's not. There are, there's like... One direct-to-video movie I can find in his IMDb, and the rest, there's a few art projects that only get, you know, limited releases, but still make a couple million. If he's not doing direct-to-video, then he's doing Ignored at the Theater, because I don't remember the last thing he was, I guess, X-Men First Class, and that was a long time ago. 
No, that Blumhouse thing that they wanted us to pay $20 for that people said not good enough. Yeah, he had a, a horror movie this year. But yeah, I do feel like he's ready for TV. Like it would make sense to put him on the head of a show. In fact, I think he was a criminal profiler on a Fox show for a hot minute. But perhaps we're so invested in this because we're not invested <laughs> in Trivers 6. We're like, you're going to change the formula? Give us something totally different? Yes, please. <laughs> A different course? You're not just going to give us these stale leftovers again? Yes, please. We're starving for something new. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to say this, though. I'm going to say, you know, it used to be a practice in advertising imposter fragrances that you could go and put on the label... If you like Calvin Klein's obsession, you'll love restraining order, that, that thing. Like they'll, they'll do that. Yes. I feel like it's a strategy that should be employed with straight-to-tape videos. Like, I don't like movies that try to rip off other movies and, and not have you know. But when we're in this realm, when it's Trimmer 6, and they say, if you love John Carpenter's thing, you might tolerate A Cold Day in Hell. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that. I want that. If you can recreate some of that magic and make the worms mutate into sled dogs and people and do body <laughs> horror, okay, cool, do that. Well, Stuart, what originally got me to sit down and, and just go through this Tremors franchise. COVID madness? Well, that was part of it, but I was always intrigued. You've talked about all these posters for these Tremor films. It was the art for the sixth one that would pop up on Netflix because it's a cold day in hell. It's Burt Gummer running in the snow as this giant graboids popping out. I'm like, oh, I, I remember that first Tremors. I was out in the desert, and, and so this might be cool. Like, it's in a different place with a giant worm, and like, it just looks different and kind of had a cool poster. And like, I almost just skipped to part six because I just kind of like that poster to it you got to do it well you know the thing is we have seen direct a video like the sometimes they come back they tried to have their thing remember that one it was think it was the third one yeah yeah in, in the arctic yeah the the stephen king greasers somehow wound up in the arctic yeah it was like a military base yeah it was very bizarre <laughs> and, and again it didn't bring me any of that joy it's got to smell a little bit like john carpenter's thing it can't stink and that thing just reeked when you sprayed it on yourself. <laughs> but it could be done. It, it, I don't have hope for this movie being good. It's the same director, same writer, same general meh kind of production. Same Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, Jamie Kennedy. Can't let that one go. But I do feel like, yes, if it's all about just changing the, the set decoration and you're going to waft on some John Carpenter thing arctic body horror kind of stuff wormy grotesquerie then i think that i can prepare for a green arrow where did you get this thing stuff because i never came into this thinking i was getting anything except graboids because it's in snow yeah graboids in snow does not tell me body horror no, but it reminds you of John Carpenter's The Thing. I, I didn't think of The Thing, Stuart, but I see what you're saying. Because, again, it was that poster art. I'm like, oh, it, it looks like, yeah, other things that I've seen that might be cool. Yeah, the parka, you can't tell the shape. And then if you remember when the dogs get eaten, it was like the wormy thing. The head split open and the graboid kind of tentacles came out of the dog. Like I think you're wishing based upon that poster. Not Yes! The poster is not telling me this is the thing. The poster is telling me graboids are in snow. That's all I'm expecting. That's all that I needed. You're telling me you're moving it to the Arctic. How many horror movies in the Arctic can you name? The John Carpenter is the first 
top maybe only on the list. And sometimes they come back again a third time. (laughs) (laughs) There's your two. (laughs) Yes, that's pretty much it. So I'm feeling like that could be, again, with straight to video, it's not about doing something original. It's how much you can smell like the thing you like. Yeah, this is how Asylum has been able to sell movies, like knock off Transformers, knock off Marvel, like knock off everything. Yeah. And while we wouldn't accept that in a real movie, in this realm, it's what we crave. We, we're desperate. We hope we get something as good as that. Remind me again, Stuart, where was John Carpenter's The Thing filmed? South Africa? Like this one? This snow movie? Yeah, I hate to burst the bubble, but when I was watching this movie, before I'd watched anything, my first thought is, these people are not wearing appropriate clothing. There should be some parkas. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's not how snow works when you walk on. Like, I'm, that's not snow. I had to pause the film the first time I watched this because I'm like, they are on sand dunes with like the brightness blown out. They are. I, I'm like, with all the blue filters and the fact that they're in very lightweight sweaters and they're trying to tell us, oh, we're having a heat wave here in the Arctic. Like, yeah, it's all global warming so they don't have to be in the snow. Which- I kind of like that. I felt like they used that to their advantage, that the idea that even in the Arctic, things are like melting to such a degree that you would have greenery. Here's the crazy thing. This was supposed to be filmed in the mountains of Bulgaria, except they had an actual blizzard. And so they had snow, so they couldn't film there. So they're like, back to South Africa. (laughs) Yeah. I also think that it's really tough to have your cast being hid by all that, you know, scarves and things. Like, you want to be able to see people. You don't want to watch a whole movie where they're in scuba gear or parka and snowsuits. I'm sure this movie doesn't have the budget to keep these actors safe in that kind of environment. So I'm glad they're not in extreme temperatures. What I'm saying is I'm not holding it against this movie that they ultimately look like they're going to ski school. That, yes, it is like <laughs> light jackets and they, they're ready. Oh, the fact that they're going to try to pass off sand dunes as snow, I hold against this film i was predicting jamie kennedy would be on a snowboard at some point (laughs) except you can't snowboard on the sand but i mean they talked about how they were going to have cgi backdrops to make it look like snowy peaks they blew little ashes to make it look like it was snowing and they were going to cgi the ground to make it look like snow i'm like how much is the cgi budget then i remembered the movie i'm like they barely cgi'd anything it's obvious they're on sand Yeah, the fact that they're, like, in these trailers that have no insulation, big windows that would let the cold in, like, they were nowhere near a cold spot for this film. To me, they gave up. Because by the end of this movie, they're on dirt. They just (laughs) gave up the the semblance of snow. It's there as set dressing for the first 20, maybe 30 minutes. The most snow this film has is in that poster. (laughs) It's true. Yep. No, the most snow must have gone up the producer's nose because this movie is cheap. (laughs) Yes, it is. Is that the only problem, though? Arnie, why don't you tell him the plot? We'll get into it. Burt Gummer, played by Michael Gross, and his son Travis Welker, played by Jamie Kennedy, must once again answer the call to go graboid hunting, this time in the icy land of northern Canada. Thanks to global warming, graboids have been moving north, and research scientist Valerie McKee knows just who to call, because her dad was Val McKee, who had joined Bert in graboid hunting in 1989. Bert and Travis arrive, but Bert isn't in top graboid hunting form. Doctors at the station discover Bert is infected with a graboid parasite that he got when swallowed by a graboid in Tremors 3. Like 20 years ago. 
the only way to save Bert's life is to get antibodies from a live graboid. Now you see why I was holding my tongue so much during part three when Arnie's like, I think Michael Gross has worms from this. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you guessed it. Travis and the Canadians, aided by DARPA agents from a nearby installation, team up and capture a graboid. They destroy its tongue snakes, and Travis crawls inside the graboid's mouth to get the antibodies needed to save his dad. Bird is well, and for safety's sake, the captured graboid is killed as credits roll. You blew through that thing. Mm-hmm. There's not much plot here. <laughs> that is true. And you know what? One of the first lines here is, Welcome to the new normal, and this is what I'm expecting from Tremors. Yeah, we start here in a prologue with characters. I guess this is not, you know, par for a B-movie. You have characters that are here to die, but I'm trying to pay attention to who they are. It's international, somebody from Norway, someone from America, some Aussie. But the whole point is, it's just about seeing that great big worm bust out of the ice and tear them all to bits. They're all going to be body parts. I don't understand how these worms, like, swallow people and then just a severed arm flops around on the ground. Like, how do they leave that behind when you swallow the person? They seem to be doing it in almost every movie, though. I do feel like we get that. I know. They have one <laughs> arm prop, okay, guys? Yeah, there it is. That's what it is. They, we have the arm already, so we have to do it. They went to the Spirit Halloween store. Yes. They found the arm. Uh, that's about how it looks. <laughs> it kind of does, unfortunately. And it doesn't even work in a funny way of like, ha, 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 that's cheap or whatever. Yeah, it just feels like, oh, that's right. Tremors don't care about gore. We just don't get those bloody, gory, something that Slither or something like that would relish. This movie, it can never be John Carpenter body horror because it never wants to be too gross. Yeah, I mean, this movie is PG-13. We are in a PG-13 franchise. Yeah, and I guess that's where it counts. You know, I normally think like, well, you can still be scary without being excessively gory, but I think when you're satirizing midnight movies, you want to be extreme. You want to have people laugh through their fingers and, and like kind of recoil at the same time. I mean, again, it helps things like Zombieland to be able to splatter the scream. Here, you know, they got the orange. Every now and then, by keeping it orange, I guess that's what keeps it PG-13. They can gack people in a little bit of worm goo, but it isn't really gross in the way that I feel like they could do it, right? Like, someone should probably push the envelope. I don't understand why a direct-to-video movie would bother even being MPAA rated. I don't know why you'd care about PG-13. They care about a rating because they want to get into Walmart. That's true. Okay, even so, they could be R-rated. I don't know why you'd try to have this PG-13 franchise. My only thought is 71-year-old grandpa Michael Gross likes making kid-friendly films. Well, why is he showing his ass off in this film, Oh, my God, that's the grossest moment. Michael, get your dignity back! I did not need to see that gross ass. Well, first we see it back in perfection, and that was kind of nice. I had forgotten about perfection after the last couple movies. Chang's market is still under Bert's control, but not for much longer. The IRS takes it. Yeah, they reference Jody. She's like joined some law firm and I guess he's running it for her. There are so many callbacks, which I missed the first time I, I watched these because I was very casually watching them. Like I would hear like I didn't even get that graboids and shriekers. Like I thought they were talking about the same thing. That's why I thought there was some like legal fight going on and they had to change the name. Like, but no, they're <laughs> going to reference Jody here and, and that. Yeah, she's gone to school. Where is Susan Chang that she couldn't come here? She didn't want to go to the cold uh, Canadian Arctic that they're going to have to go to later. Yeah, she might get sunburned. 
I mean, couldn't you have gotten somebody back for a cameo from Perfection? But, I mean, admittedly, you have to pay for a airplane ticket to South Africa, and this does not look at all like the Changs I've come to know in all these movies. Well, they got, like, metal detectors. This is Burt Gummer's version. Like, he's, he's shooting guns off in the store. Susan Wang is still acting and doing one-offs. She's in one episode of SWAT, one episode of Young Sheldon, one episode of Veep. So she could have come. Yeah, you make more money on those shows than you might think. Like, that, those still do well, particularly when you get that residual money. She don't need to do no Tremor 6. Uh, bring back the Jody from the TV series, then. Bring back somebody, because this is not perfection. When you have the IRS guy... Yeah, what is going on at this begin? Like, I never took Gummer to evade on his taxes. Like, you know, he doesn't like the government. He's he's far right, but I figured he still pays taxes. But now he's wanted for tax evasion. Obviously, you're not up on your libertarianism. Taxation is theft, Jacob. I get that. I don't want to go to jail or have my stuff taken away, though. So I get it. It's coercion. But taxation is theft, Jacob. I understand. (laughs) I still don't want to go to jail. But they're robbing us, Jacob. Okay, go get a gun and start a revolution then. Bert won't even do that. He's got a gun. Yeah, he's ready for it. Yeah, he's not starting a revolution, though. He's shooting BB guns in the store. I've just got more, like, central character relation. Like, so we see the sign perfection. There's only two people there. I'm like, who's the other one? It's Travis? He and his son live here and run this store now? What happened to the ass blaster? I guess that died and everyone stopped visiting perfection. It wasn't ass blaster. It was a albino graboid. No, they also had that ass blaster that Mindy and Nancy- They sold it to Siegfried and Roy. Ah, that's right. Yeah, where is El Blanco? I guess he's passed away. (laughs) I, I don't know how they're even staying alive if they're the only people in this town, but I could understand if you are a- strong libertarian in the desert you might think you don't have to pay some taxes especially since i don't know where bert has ever made money yeah he's like independently wealthy the videos he cooked that snake with his own custom brand of cactus you know marinade like he had a whole thing going for him oh they're selling it in the store here too yeah he's yeah he's got a little display in the store (laughs) i don't know why you'd sell him there no one's going there why isn't it working anymore I don't understand when Travis shows up again, what happened to make the rebranding and make their team up? Why didn't that become the hit? I don't understand where they're at. Travis says he had a health breakdown, like he had a mental breakdown. Was he being literal? I think so, because he still hasn't showered. Jamie Kennedy still hasn't taken a shower. He His skin is still awful. He's still grimy. That hair... It, uh... <laughs> Put some shampoo in there, some conditioner. I don't know what this guy's been doing. But when he says, did you miss me? Nope. <laughs> uh, you know what? I am i don't want to be nice to Jamie Kennedy. I feel no reason to protect him. Am I being so mean you feel like you have to defend him now? You are beating him <laughs> up rather ruthlessly, Jacob. I think I'm accurately describing. I just, I don't understand why you're looking like this. You are correct. The man is strangely unappealing, (laughs) even for the kind of devil may care in your face character that he's going for. He looks, yes, the actor looks wounded and they're not doing a good job of, of making him look cool. He looks more sad than cool. But I guess I just, I don't understand these characters. He and Bert haven't seen each other in a while. And you're telling me that he really was institutionalized. Maybe. I just couldn't figure out 
what had gone so wrong in this town, but it, it feels I'm happy to go anywhere, including the Arctic, to get out of this perfection. I would not want to stay here with them. I just wish that Travis was going back to the psych ward, if that's where he was, because when Rita calls, they get this call from Canada, and the whole time, is she hot? Ask her if she's hot. Like, I don't like his his any of the jokes in this film. It, it grates on me. What about that Wesley Snipes knock? That that was pretty funny. I I will give them the Wesley Snipes knock. That's I'm always up for a good Wesley Snipes tax, <laughs> tax evasion joke. Yeah, I I did enjoy that one. Again, a little dated, but it made me smile much more than most of his jokes when he's coming in here. And of course, how can we continue without discussing Bert's hat? Yes, because they make such a big deal about it. I I remember like watching this. I'm like, oh, he di- he didn't have a Cubs hat this whole time, like because I barely was noticing what was going on in these films. They were just frames passing by my eyes. But yes, I, I read up on this when I saw this because I'm like, why are they making such a big deal about this hat? I guess Michael Gross is from Chicago. The Cubs are his team. They just won the World Series, I believe. And like he's like, there's no reason I had to wear an Atlanta Hawks hat. That's just what I picked out. So he wanted to support his home team. In the original Tremors. They were working with him on wardrobe. He's like, ah, baseball cap. He said he just wanted some Southern sports team, so got the Atlanta Hawks. But what Michael Gross said in an interview, which I loved, is the fact that we chose the Atlanta Hawks all these years was an accident. I wasn't in love with the team or anything. Atlanta Hawks was a choice I made all those years ago. They just came in and said, what should Burt be wearing on his head? Was this like in an interview? Like Yes. There's a, I think there's more thought put in this goddamn hat than anything else in this movie. <laughs> but he went on to say, the Atlanta Hawks have never done anything for me. They've never invited me to a game. Wow, <laughs> he was hoping for season tickets. <laughs> like, box seats for the Tremor star. I'm Burt Gummer. I promoted you in five Tremors films. <laughs> Give me the front row seats. I want the Jack Nicholson seats for the Hawks. <laughs> yes, he was mad that the Hawks never reciprocated. And wow. So he was like, you know what? My boys, I'm a Chicago guy. I'm a Cubby fan. They won the World Series. Screw them, Hawks. <laughs> yeah, and so much time devoted to his change in wardrobe with this hat. Yeah, that won't be the only change that they put to him. It does feel like at this point, like, look, we're in part six of a Tremors franchise. Like, it is going to become very insular and, like, a lot of inside jokes, I feel like. When we get to part seven, probably even more. Hmm. I wonder if he'll still have the Cubs hat. But is Jamie Kennedy referencing Avengers? He tells Bert, you've got a lot of red in your ledger. Oh, I did. I, I, I get what you're saying now. I just took it as an accounting term because that's what it is. Not a Black Widow thing. <laughs> the way it's phrased, I thought maybe he has some karmic debt that they're going to have to pay off by finding pre-pre-Cambrian graboids in northern Canada. Yeah, that's the joke, is that why would they be in the cold? They've always been in desert climates, even in Africa, South America, North America, there's something consistent about being the ground. It needs to be, you know, dirt. It needs to be movable. If they hit something too rocky. Well, and it needs to be warm. We were told in part four is that spring water, that warm spring water that was diverted and warmed up the eggs so they hatched. Right. Yeah. For lots of reasons, ice doesn't feel like, I mean, that's just another form of concrete. Like you tunnel through that and you're going to get killed. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, they have an expert. Val's Kevin Bacon's character, his kid has grown up to be a graboid professional, and that's why she's interning in the Arctic of Canada. 
to explain that that's what skilled these scientists. I like that they're tying back and trying to bring in characters that connect to the previous ones, you know, like Jacob said, dropping Jody's name and things. But A, this Valerie is completely underserved in this film. She's not even the main love interest. How crazy is that? No. That was so crazy. I agree. And B, I don't like that you can't get a cameo from one of the parents in this. Rhonda couldn't show up. What's Rhonda doing at this point? Actually, she went to jail. Yeah, I know. I I read the story. She did? (laughs) Yeah, she was uh, picked up in Vegas with a stolen car and stolen credit cards and not looking like Rhonda. Yeah, you don't hire her. Oh, that's sad. It is. But I hear what you're saying. Yes, with all of this love for Kevin Bacon... Why he couldn't be there in the Arctic. Why they have to introduce his kid and then not use that kid or not have even a really good explanation as to why she would be there if she was a graboid expert. Well, I took it as she was taking after her mother. Her mother was a scientist who went to perfection to do some research as part of her graduate work. I thought... This girl's taking a lot after her mother, but named after her father. Yeah, but she spouts, I mean, she gets on that phone and she knows everything about graboids. To me, I thought that was her focus. And if that's your focus, you don't study glaciers. Yeah, and what's weird is that Travis, who has gone on a graboid adventure, he's seen them, like they make a big deal how he doesn't know everything about him. He, Rosetta Stone me, dog. Like, tell me all about them graboids. Teach me about them. Like, he doesn't know about him, but he's fought him. But Valerie, because I guess they want to drop Kevin Bacon's name in this one, like she is an expert. Uh, okay. Then have Valerie take over and, and be, I guess she does shoot some guns, but like she should have a much bigger role here. Yeah, she should be the main character You know, you have these two come in as like, I think they even make the joke Mulder and Scully, but this should be the main client they're dealing with, not all these other people around. There's, again, so many people in this. There's too many characters in this one. I couldn't keep up. Me either. The DARPA people, the people at this research station. Don't forget the pilot, Mac. They come in and we have our our first monster attack really is an aerial one it's drawn to her engine like it's just dumb like a mosquito to a bug light well they've told us that that i mean that's why they attack they're so dumb they look smart that's why they attack the radio station in part two is they just go after that heat source so they sense that heat from the airplane what's maddening to me is okay cgi not as good as the last one with this ass blaster but i guess she kills it with the propeller i don't know it flies towards them and all of a sudden like orange juice is spraying everywhere not orange juice but orange guts yeah i do think it might have been pulpy orange juice though i mean it could have been yeah it probably was (laughs) but it's it like i'm like oh okay i guess she just ran over it with her airplane and killed it i thought it got in the blades like indiana jones yeah she didn't try to kill it she didn't even see it like she's like i've never heard of these things but they all saw it they're like look an ass blaster Yeah, she didn't know what that was. But a theme that seems to be coming up here, we're, what, 10, 15 minutes into this movie, is what the hell happened? (laughs) What the hell is going on that I don't understand anything anymore? By a part seven, the formula is in place. I should know exactly how this is going. And while the setup of, oh, we have financial trouble and we need to take this job somewhere feels familiar, almost nothing about these relationships or what they're doing It feels like new people are involved, correct? I mean, this is the same director and writer as we've had before. 
Mm-hmm. It feels like pages, like, it's like, oh, we don't have budget for these three pages. Rip them out. Because, like, this DARPA guy shows out. He knows all about Bert's tax problems. How? Yeah, I had to Google DARPA. Is that something I'm supposed to know? It's a real thing, I guess. I Googled it as well. <laughs> I'd heard of it, but I had to Google it, too, because I'm like, what are they doing in Canada? Are they a international organization? No, they're an American agency. What are they doing in Canada? And Bert's, of course, paranoia is that they must be doing something to cause these ass blasters to be flying around. They must be breeding them. Yeah, biological weapons. Yes, mutating them, changing them so that they can be weaponized. And that might have been an exciting plot for a movie, but boy, they're just going to end up making an aqua fur. And I think that they caused this to happen because they warm up some eggs. No, global warming caused this to happen. Yeah, DARPA has nothing to do with the graboids being there. They're there. They're just measuring the water, but also being secretly sinister. They really try to do a double twist here. Okay. Again, because we had that moment where we have the scientist taking water samples and she steps on an egg. So none of that was her fault? No, we're told that they're doing something with the water because it's the new oil because of global warming. I don't Mm -hmm. know. So they're measuring the contents of the water to do something. And there just happened to be eggs in there that she stepped on. But maybe they were doing something sinister because they end up being evil by the end of it. This is the one that has one writer. The last movie had four. This only has one? (laughs) This only has one writer. And I'm way more confused. All the time. Every scene. I'm like, but I don't in the home. And I'm and I'm spending a lot of time, too much time. Always a bad sign for a movie when you're asking all of these logistical questions. We should just be laughing and have fun. And if something doesn't make sense, who cares, right? Because we're in a Tremors movie. We know what we're going to get. And scene after scene, I'm just, I'm confused about who the enemy is. Yeah, when they get to this base and it literally feels like a sitcom, like each character is going to walk on and say their name and their job. And I, I'm i like, too many characters. Like, we complain too few characters in part two, but can we agree too many in this one? Uh, well, too many that aren't characters. There are people standing around. They're just names that were waiting for them to die. I'm sure that at least three or four of them, while they're in many, many scenes, never get named. Oh, yeah. No, I always thought it was just Rita and Valerie, and then there's another woman. There's like six. N- not the one waiting in the water. But yeah, and I'm I just, I, I'm like, who are these people all of a sudden? Who is Travis saving in this scene? Is it the girl he likes? Is it Valerie? Is it just some random? Like, I get so confused throughout this film. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I do not understand who the people are. I'm recognizing certain faces and going with it, but I'm just shocked as hell that Val isn't a big part of it, and that I'm just trying to keep up with who all these people are, and all the various plot threads they're going to throw at us. This is not going to be a simple graboid hunt. Maybe it is. I mean, I simplify it. Let me put it that way. If it gets complicated, the middle of this movie just feels like a lot of running around. Yeah, it's a lot of set pieces. Like, we'll we'll have this happen here, but nothing feels like there's a connective tissue that it's flowing naturally to me. Last movie I was arguing, please make Bert part of an ensemble and give me more of this local color. And if this is the new perfection or the new African village... There's nothing in this movie that's perfection. Yeah, no, I, I again, I actually find what's the, the charm of this movie, if there's any at all, it is Bert showing up in his white parka meant to like be disguised by the snowy landscape and being like, why is everything green? Like, I actually feel like he's way funnier than anyone else here. All right, maybe it's just me, but I don't think Michael Gross is the same Bert 
that I enjoyed in the first three films. He's gritting his teeth and saying all the lines through them. He's a little over the top now. He's become a caricature of a libertarian gun nut hunter instead of actually feeling like a true survivalist. And I felt like Michael Gross for the first three films rode that line well. And maybe it's Jamie Kennedy, honestly. He's trying to keep (laughs) up with Jamie Kennedy and the ad-libbing. No, it is, it is. Can we find a compliment for Jamie Kennedy? Has anyone done it? No, no, but but guys, I think he's trying to ad-lib now. Yeah, that's why there's going to be all these talk about balls. Yes. Balls in the Guinness Book of World Record balls. Balls of steel. Like, I don't want to hear Michael Gross talk about balls. I don't want to see his ass. I don't want to see him in a Wetworks porno film getting pissed on. The balls line was ad-libbed. Yes, I felt like it was, and he admitted in an interview it was. Yeah. Maybe it's the director. Maybe the director loves Jamie Kennedy and loves his sense of humor and is having more of that written for Michael Gross, but I feel Michael Gross is off in some other land now. I loved him in the TV series. I mean, again, I can't believe I'm praising a mother-humping sci-fi TV series, but Michael Gross was so down-to-earth and relatable in that, and here, I can't stand to see him on screen. Yeah, there was always something about Burt Gummer, like libertarian, gun nut, all that. But he was also kind of eloquent, like had this flowery vocabulary and long-winded. And now that he's just talking about his balls, this is a different character and I don't like it. And it's Jamie Kennedy's fault. He has exed Michael Gross. <laughs> all right, I, I'm not going to fight against this torrent. I will say this. Again, I think Burt is the character I'm paying attention to at the start of this. Maybe not all the jokes are landing, but I more or less... Because of familiarity, because I've seen him in the movies. And I again, I'm not liking these new characters. I'm not mingling well here in Canada. So I feel like in the beginning, like I said, just, just seeing him show up disguised in a snowsuit, like that stuff is fun. What they give him to do is very unappealing. If he's the best thing about this movie, and I still think he is. Yeah, I agree. The uh, the thought (laughs) to make him ill and have him give you an epileptic seizure kind of editing, like have all of these dream sequences and flap, like he spends most of the movie just laying on his back in a hospital bed. I didn't know there was a part seven when I watched this the first time. I'm like, oh, are they getting rid of Michael Gross? Like, they got him to come back for this one, but Jamie Kennedy, that is their star, because it feels like, yeah, let's kill him and set up our next gummer. Jacob, I believed that in this movie. I mean, again, I I had to go check. You knew he, Michael Gross was coming back. We've talked about Seven. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I went and checked, and I was like, is he going to be playing a character named Bert? He's going to be the uncle this time? <laughs> he could be his twin brother or something like that. I was like, I want to make sure that they're, because it really does... This one, it really does feel like we're going to say goodbye to Burke. Yeah, I don't know why they chose to give him this. He's getting older. And you do have Jamie Kennedy here to do some more of that action stuff. But you got to give Burt something. Burt should be your general and Jamie Kennedy and these other people can be your troops. You may not want Michael Gross. Michael Gross says he's so happy that he's still physically able to do all these stunts and things, and he's as good now as he was in Tremors 1. Then it's the writer's fault for not having him do it. What's so weird is the first time he starts twitching out because of these uh, uh, parasitic... They're not graboids. That's the weird thing. I thought they were going to be like baby graboids or something in him, but I guess those growing eggs. But, like, he's trying to save 
some other character, Freeze, or I'm not sure how you pronounce it. They keep calling him Freeze as a joke. I never got that joke. Yeah. They called him Freeze, but his name Ferretzi. Ferretzi, that's it. Yeah. And he's going to save and he starts like twitching out. And Ferretzi starts twitching out too. Like, I didn't understand. Like, I guess they wanted to make it so he could still save him eventually. But I'm like, why is this other character like? I don't know. But again, I don't like the new characters. I don't like this as a storyline. The whole movie now, if there's a plot to this movie, I keep it simple. Yeah, a lot of things are going to be running around and electrified ground and alarms going off all the time. But basically, the way I see it is we need to capture a worm so we can extract an antibody. Because he was eaten in part three and got a tapeworm or something, he is now in the final stages of worm poisoning and the only thing that can bring him back is what's made in the bile duct of a graboid. Which does not really make sense to me, but okay. Well, well, like rattlesnake venom can actually be turned into the cure, you know, like that is, there's truth to that antitoxin kind of thing. But it's so weird that these aren't like something related to graboid, something that would turn into a graboid eventually. It's just, yeah, he's just got a tapeworm. Uh, it's, yeah. Is it that the Graboid had worms? Like, something's infected the Graboid and it's infected Bert? Yeah, because they flash back to three, like, when Bert gets swallowed, and, and so it's obviously has something to do with this Graboid. Like, call that chopper pilot in South Africa. He might have worms, too. Right. It's like a, it's like the venom he uses to digest got Bert sick. Gave him the tapeworm, too, maybe. Again, why did they have the tapeworm? That was so confusing, because the tapeworm isn't a graboid. But be that as it may, the cure can be made from the venom, and so how do we grab a graboid? No one's ever been able to do it before. Every time they've talked about capturing a graboid, they always end up getting killed. So this is going to be the movie in which Travis, Jamie Kennedy, is going to prove he can do something Bert never could. And Jamie Kennedy is not as funny here, right? He's not even trying to be as funny. Which is like, you know, you know like condemning him to death. I think after the last movie, we said he was nothing that resembled funny. So to say he's lesser in this one, I mean, my God. I feel like he could take lessons, and this is going to sound weird, I feel like he could take lessons from Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen was in these kinds of silly movies, but he had a good poker face. Like, he didn't always try to mug, you know, like... They have this scene where the graboid is grabbing his girlfriend and he's trying to pull her up and her pants are coming off and she won't take off her pants because she's not wearing any underwear. Which is what you do with Rhonda's daughter, not some random character. That's a callback to Rhonda having to take her pants off in the first film, but now it's just a random character. Yes. I feel like, again, you want a Leslie Nielsen, you want a, like, you know, deadpan, don't call me Shirley, something like that. But they just don't have the right chemistry to pull that moment off. And is the punchline, I'm not wearing underwear, it's too restricting. Like, that's your punchline? I, yeah, I don't feel like this Dr. Sims was very well cast either, since we're throwing blame around liberally. <laughs> I don't feel like she's a good comedian. I don't think that Jamie Kennedy like is nailing the humor of what the writers are going for. and so Or the romance with this woman. 
Yeah. So again, it's really important now that Bird is sidelined that he step up and take that mantle, like make it his franchise now. And I feel like for lots of reasons, including again, not just that Jamie Kennedy is not good, but also surrounded by the least impressive cast we've had in a Tremors movie. And and again, a script that seems to have people running around all the time, but not for any real good effect. Yeah, they'll just, there's characters, again, like the airplane pilot. It's like, we'll just send you to go work on your engine for most of the film until we need you to come back. It's like just in and out, in and out, but nothing important. Yeah, you hated the lion pissing stuff. They do a whole thing about a guy that drinks energy drinks and then needs to urinate off a tipping tower. Yes, a whole pee joke to distract one of the graboids and make it go a different way. Ugh, awful. I thought this was a callback again to how Val and everybody's been pissing this whole movies. No, no, no. It was a callback to Rhonda on the water tower, turning the water on and, and it thudding against the ground in that first one. Maybe both. <laughs> get, let's get away from the pee. It's gross. I don't want to see it. Whatever they're calling back to, it feels recycled. It feels like we're not trying to think about the environment we're in or going with new concepts or even taking these characters and developing them. We're just going to re-say the jokes that we knew made people laugh in the movies before. Yeah, this is what the upsetting thing for me. Not Jamie Kennedy, but just like we didn't have like a lion or an elephant eaten in that one in South Africa, this one in South Africa that's supposed to be the Canadian Arctic, do some kind of thing with snow like at least one scene where it's it's not sand like we got Rita and Travis meet cute building a snowman or something in the snow they go to put on that carrot nose and a tentacle pops out of the snowman's head something like that like yeah. Like, I am not asking for high art, people. I want very low, base, obvious things that would make me happy in these kind of films. You go to the Arctic, you do something in snow. I mean, it's that simple. Like, that's not genius. I'm not asking for really sophisticated humor or any. Again, you just, you want to do have a snowplow. You want to have a snow fight. You want to do anything with snow because you made it the Arctic. You know, if you can't have snow, don't set your movie in snow. I'm just going to put that out there. That's, I mean, or play off the joke that there's no more snow in the Arctic and then make some kind of ecological message in that. Like, have that be a part of the way they fight the worms. Yeah, fine. But don't pretend there's snow and not use snow. Yes. Yeah, don't go to the beach and tell me it's, yeah, the mountains. Yeah. I, it, and that's, this movie is guilty not only of that literally with the environment, but with almost everything, like I just feel like everything is way more confusing than it needs to be. When ultimately they come up with this plot to catch the worm, they've got a Newton's cradle and some kind of fishing hook. And like, why can't they just lure it into the container? Like, why can't someone just stand there and bang on an anvil and have it go in after them? I don't even know why it takes the machinations that it does. Because we see them do that before, too, because there are like three graboids and they're doing this thing where they're going to electrify a fence below the earth and like the way this film is shot and it, like they're all in this airplane hangar like you got Bert with a pile driver or something and they're all like doing these weird rock star poses as they're trying to make noise to me it's just kind of embarrassing like I'm like this is not the right tone for this kind of situation to do rock star poses as you bang on oil drums to lure a giant worm no this is not working at all and I- I'm not even sure am I supposed to be concerned about Bert am I supposed to be excited for Jamie Kennedy. I'm not even sure what mood they're trying to convey when Jamie Kennedy is having his Rambo moment of tying his shoes and 
stealing Bert's clothes and hat and sunglasses. He's not a very good mimic. Like, I feel like his impression of Michael Gross isn't very good. Like, surprisingly not good. Was he supposed to be mimicking him? Yeah, like when he's put, saying birdish things, like I felt like that was him trying to do a parody of his co-star. Okay, see, yeah, it's so bad. It was That was totally lost on me then. Same here. I didn't think he was trying that because I it didn't remind me of it. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it was, it was so far away from even like a Michael Gross, like family ties. That, like in no way it reminded us of Bert or Michael Gross. So I don't know what he was doing, but he was doing it in Bert drag and he was saying Bert things. So I think, I think that was the intent. Wow. So, all right. People run around. Most people don't die. And some, they've made some bombs out of the smuggled alcohol bottles that the pilot was bringing in. And eventually they get a worm in the container. And Jamie Kennedy, of course, is going to climb into the mouth and get the antibody. And it's just the, going back to the last film, it's just the African graboids that emit acid. Because I was really worried for it. I'm like, well, these things spit acid. You don't want to go climbing in there. But I guess that was just that species again i understand so little at this point <laughs> i don't know they probably didn't even care the right and they're like yeah just have them crawl in there hey look i want to give this film props i want to give this film props too so they have something more than a broken arm <laughs> <laughs> no that like this one practical graboid this mouth i like this it's fun jamie kennedy he has a reason to actually get dirty by crawling in that mouth it, it is kind of gross yeah, no, I, I think uh, it, the premise is we have to capture one for the first time. And Travis is doing something that we never saw Bert do. That's a pretty good challenge. I like that the way that all of this has been put together has been so haphazard. Yeah, and Newton's cradle is not enough vibration to attract one of these. That's ridiculous. Like, that we got to have this airplane. It's almost like the lightning striking. Like, it's got to go over at the exact right point to grab this cord, to drag it into the container. Like, I rewound it three times and I never could understand what happened. I never did understand <laughs> what was going on. It was as confusing to me as the lightning uh, last time. Worse, really. It is worse, yeah. And so the point is they have something, presumably they inject Bert with it. We don't even see that. And then he's maybe not good, but then he's fine. Again, the wishy-washiness. You just get so angry at this movie, never clearly telling you any bit of information. Like Bert is always screaming, I didn't get the full report. That's what I'm doing. At the end of this movie, I'm like, why do I not understand anything that I watched? I agree. This is beyond the pale of incoherence i mean again i'm following the gist of it bert's better we're all happy sort of but okay he's out of tax debt somehow by saving the darpa guy somehow being in darpa means that he can do something in the irs and so bert won't have to have his store confiscated yeah a joke they stole from armageddon i know you didn't see that Stuart. no but yeah it is it is direct theft Okay, so it wasn't just me. You're backing me up, Arnie. <laughs> to get out of debt, I'd say, okay. But to say, and I never want to pay taxes for the rest of my life, theft. Pure, pure theft. <laughs> I did think it was kind of funny. He's like, well, well, Nevada doesn't have any taxes. Federal. That's the ones they want to get out of. So, yeah. Suddenly we realize at the end of this movie that DARPA is taking the worm to make a bioweapon. I don't know, I guess. And so they need to have a remote control plane to blow it up 
And suddenly we realize that Jamie Kennedy, for all his bravado, is afraid of kissing girls? Well, that okay, wait, wait. That plane is crazy, too, because they set that up at the very beginning. They're like, oh, he's the super smart scientist, but he loves remote control airplanes. So I'm like, oh, that's going to come back in the climax. Like, that's how they're going to defeat. I guess they defeat the last worm that way. But you know what I mean? I thought that was going to, like, save the day. They're going to have to do something with a remote control airplane. But it ends up being a joke at the end of the film. It feels like they had a lot going on. And one writer putting it all together and almost nothing that they had ended up making sense. Well, can we make sense of it? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend A Cold Day in Hell? Jacob. Okay, a couple things. First, guys, listeners out there, if you go see Jamie Kennedy, like, do you stand up? Don't heckle him. That's not cool. He'll make a whole movie about it and diss you, but don't do that. That 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 actually isn't cool to like. You can only diss him when he's not here? <laughs> yeah, because he's not standing up to give me a performance. This is a different medium. Like, when you're a comedian doing stand-up, they're on stage to entertain you. You give them that chance. You don't like it, walk out. Leave him alone. Actually, I'll, I'll back you up as... When you're talking shit about somebody, don't at them. You could critique, but don't like go out of your way to make sure they know that you don't like them. Yeah, I, I'm not going to tag Jamie Kennedy on Twitter and tell him to listen to this <laughs> podcast. Like, I, I wouldn't do that. But look, I got to comment on the choice he's made. But look, this film, I complimented that practical graboid. I like that. Also, when some random character like runs to a truck and a graboid gets it and like they got those hydraulics to shoot that truck into the air and it flips over. That was pretty cool looking too. So couple positive things for this film i i just i want to give the compliments where i could give them sure because look as i was watching it this time i had about a half hour left and look 2020 this is a crazy year Uh, my wife she rescued a squirrel from a little baby squirrel so cute from some crows that were circling around it and we've been she brought it home we've been taking care of it trying to get it strong so it could go back out into the wild and she's like hey can you run to the pet store we need to get some puppy milk gotta do guys i know a lot about squirrels now you need puppy milk because it got a lot of fat baby squirrels need that fat so she's like can you go get some more puppy milk so we could feed it that and, and help it get healthy i'm like sure let me pause this film usually i'd be like uh there's just a half hour left. Let, let me finish this and then I'll go do it. I'm like, nope, I will happily pause this film <laughs> and leave for an hour. You should make the squirrel watch the movie. <laughs> he, he would sleep during all, That's all that little guy does is sleep. But like I walked around pet smart like six or seven times trying to find puppy milk and some fun chew toys for him. Like, And then I'm like, oh, I got to finish this film. I, I There's a half hour left. Like I did not care if I finished this film, but I had to because we're talking about it today. But like that was my attitude to this but all the other ones like i'm like oh yeah it's fine they're just moving images and, and some of them were entertaining the other but like this one just really got on my nerves maybe because it's just so incoherent and it's just like running around and yelling and bad jokes and talking about your balls being in the guinness book of world records the guinness book of balls they didn't even talk about world records <laughs> oh the guinness book of balls okay so so uh, I don't okay that that's a whole other topic I won't I won't go off on that tangent about how you get your balls into that book <laughs> they could be small then sorry I'm going off on a tangent they could be small balls because that's a record smallest balls so that's not even a compliment to have your balls in the Guinness Book of Balls Ugh, this film makes me upset no it's just it's not very fun look it looks fine i think these films have maintained a level of quality it's the writing in this one though it, it, the way it's shot looks fine but the way it's written these characters they're nothing there's too many of them that do nothing and the ones like valerie that you would think would be important aren't important it it's confusing this is a hot mess uh even though it's a cold day in hell it's a hot mess not recommend Stuart. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Whether you want to sit at that tremors table I was talking about 
push off or stay here. You skip this course of the banquet. Like there's nobody. It's freezer burnt. It's unpleasant <laughs> to look at and to taste. And it is nothing like John Carpenter's movie. I just want to say, if you came here for a thing like I did, oh, the cruelest of tricks. If you came here for snow like I did, you, that it's <laughs> yeah. disappointing on that most basic level. That mother hump and sand in this movie. Oh, it makes me angry. And unlike last week where I really saw this, these same filmmakers spending a lot of quality time setting up things in act one that paid off in act three like the little girl that electrified the ground and the worms came out like this movie sets up a lot that it never even gets back to like why kevin bacon's daughter is here why the snow is gone yeah the aquifer that they're constructing none of those things matter like it just it never feels the need to justify itself it just coasts on stale jokes and graboid action which might be fine if it was well made but i mean i hated the editing in this movie it's so choppy particularly when we have those povs of burt getting sick or whatever and the soundtrack i mean they have the worst cover of mustang sally i've ever heard in my life hey now i actually had in my notes for the final thought that i liked this version of mustang sally (laughs) Oh, okay. No, no. We know how you guys disagree about music. This is par for the course. I'm passionate about how much I hate this Mustang Sally. That's just... I looked if there was a soundtrack because I wanted this version of Mustang Sally. And they made a movie you wouldn't buy the soundtrack of. I just... You love soundtracks. You just... I don't know what it is about you. You love the sound of any movie. (laughs) But this thematically, creatively, visually... Easily the worst of the franchise. You you could have really stopped after the first one. You might want to stop after the fourth one. You need to stop after the fifth one. This is a very strong, don't do it, allow some time for the tryptophan to wash over you and hope for the best next week. Well, I, like Jacob, wanted to praise, not bury this film. I think this has the best production values of any Tremors film since the first one. I think the CG is on point as far as the Graboids go and everything. I think that the sets look okay-ish. I mean, we've been dealing with some cheapo films and... A couple of them, I was like, can't they even afford extras? Here, there's too many characters. Yeah, because they didn't have to go to the snow. Like, they saved all that money on equipment to cold-proof their cameras. And again, what could you see? With the way this was edited, there were shots that I wanted to enjoy, but they just never lingered on anything. And the other thing I could compliment is Mustang Sally. (laughs) Wow, really? I mean, you've heard the real song, right? You know it's not supposed to sound like that. Yeah, and I kind of like this version. Yeah. But you like Bruce Willis. It feels like Bruce Willis covering the song. (laughs) I do like Bruce Willis singing. Yeah, so there you go. But beyond that, this movie really got axed. You know, Jamie Kennedy isn't coming back for Shrieker Island, and I have a theory. They were trying to pass the torch, and the end of this movie was his chance to prove himself, and he got axed. He got axed right out of the next film. I feel like I drank the worm, and now I'm feeling ill. It's a real solid not recommend. And... Given that I mostly liked, I was on the border on four, but I mostly liked what the original creative team had done and that I've pretty much hated everything that I have seen these new people do. 
I'm scared to go to Shrieker Island. I, I want to just still quarantine at home and not go to the island. You don't think Napoleon Dynamite's a good replacement? Yeah, what do we know? We know that, yes, John Hader, is, who I have not seen for probably... As, Since Napoleon as, Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know what he's been doing, but he makes sense, I guess. Shriekers? Again, we haven't had a movie with a shrieker in it since the second one. No, there were shriekers in three. I mean, if Stewart does not count that beginning of three. He doesn't. We made a big point about, yes, there was something in Argentina and in infrared for half a blurry <laughs> second, but they weren't. It's, it's been no <laughs> shriekers since two. Here's my hope because it's, yeah, Shrieker Island. I, I'm guessing they're off in the tropics. I hope this is a parody of the fire festival. Like a Shrieker outbreak happens at some kind of festival and it's just making fun of the fire festival because that's still the greatest tragedy in human history. It kind of is. And I, I, I'm also hoping, silly me, I'm thinking with the option of, of being on an island in water and maybe there's boats, maybe they can get back to their love of Jaws. Like maybe Michael Gross can do his best impersonation of Robert Shaw. <laughs> water Shriekers, the next evolution. There you go. Yeah, they'll have to go in the water, right? I mean, I think that my, they don't have to do shit. I mean, they didn't have snow in the Arctic, so they don't have to have water at the island. They were very proud in this one that they got the first water graboid scene. I was going to say the eggs underwater. That That's the only thing in water. Yeah, I don't know why that would inspire pride. They had a scene in the previous one that had Jamie Kennedy, like, scuba diving and fighting an underwater graboid. The fact that it's the same director, the same writer, it, it hurts at this point. After this exercise, I, I mean, I gave the movie last time in the past, so it's not like they can't make a movie that I wouldn't go with, but I, just fingers crossed, but I don't have a good feeling about this. Well, we may be guessing what it is, but the movie is out now. The day we're releasing this is the day Shrieker Island comes to video on demand and Blu-ray, and it's available on Netflix both the sixth installment and Shrieker Island are available now on Netflix, but if you buy the video on demand or if you get the Blu-ray, there's a bunch of bonus features on it that I will be watching for next week. And thanks to Universal Pictures, we're actually giving away 10 digital copies of Shrieker Island. All you have to do is subscribe to the now-playing In Focus newsletter, you head to our website, nowplayingpodcast.com, click subscribe at the top, scroll down to the second item, and you'll see the sign up for the newsletter. It comes out once a week on Friday. Our producer, Jason, is putting a lot of time, a lot of work in on it. It gets you a look behind the scenes at Now Playing. It summarizes the major movie news of the week. I personally look forward to it every Friday, and if you sign up, you are entered to win one of these 10 VOD copies of Tremor Shrieker Island with all those bonus features that Netflix won't give you. You have until October 30th to sign up if you're already a subscriber to our newsletter. You're already entered to win, but your subscription has to be active when we do the drawing on October 30th or November 1st. We thank Universal for giving us those to give away, and even more, actually coming out tomorrow, Wednesday, October 21st, Universal has also hooked me up with an interview with Burt Gummer himself, Michael Gross. We talked for about 45 minutes, all things Gummer, plus 
a little bit of some of his other roles. There are some major spoilers for Shrieker Island at the end of that interview. There is a spoiler warning, but since Shrieker Island is out today, you can see it today on Netflix or iTunes or wherever. We're waiting until tomorrow to put out that interview. And then, yes, we will be back next Tuesday with the final Tremors review, Shrieker Island. So we have today, Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell review. Tomorrow, Michael Gross interview. On Thursday, for patrons, $25 or more, you can get an early release of our review of Shrieker Island. Because there haven't been any real new release movies this year, we haven't been able to give our early release of weekend of release shows to our patrons, but with Shrieker Island being out today, assuming no plans get disrupted, no disasters occur, we will have that review to our patrons on Thursday. And then Friday, our patrons of $10 or more get their October bonus review. Yes, Lars von Trier, Serial Killers, Uma Thurman in Refrigerators. We're getting ready for Halloween, although the person that hired us to do it for the patron pick did so because he hated the film, interestingly enough. Oh, he he wants a good shredding. That's what he's hoping for, I guess. Yeah, so we're going to go to hell with Matt Dillon. And maybe that'll be fun for you, or maybe it won't. But it'll be very large venture. I can promise you that. Yeah, get back into that art house. First time probably since David Lynch. I've only seen a couple things of Lars von Trier's. I liked them, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's not one of my favorites, but it has memorable attributes. I'll leave it at that. And if that's not (laughs) Halloween enough for you, it is maybe a little too elevated to be a true serial killer movie. Next week, in time for Halloween weekend, we will be getting to horror with Cloverfield. The Platinum series will begin soon enough as we bring Tremors to a close next week. Yeah, Tremors should be horror enough for anyone. This movie frightens me. I'm scared as hell of Shrieker Island. (laughs) And finally, before we go, I do want to also let our listeners know about our Letterboxd HQ page. If you haven't used Letterboxd, I think it's a thing all movie lovers would enjoy. Brock. Jason, Jacob, you and I are both there. Marjorie's getting on there now. It's a place where you can basically social media specifically about movies. You can rate movies you watch, keep a movie diary, write reviews, comment on reviews, see what your friends have watched. And then they just added an HQ section where entities like Now Playing can have pages to communicate better with our listeners and see what you're watching and see what you recommend. And Letterboxd, because they know about Now Playing, actually invited us to be part of their beta program. This hasn't launched for everyone, but Now Playing is one of the very first Letterboxd HQ pages there. So there's a link to our Letterboxd page from our homepage, and we hope to see you over there. So... Thank you for your support of our show. Thank you for listening. This has been Now Playing, the podcast hotter than a 50 cal on full auto. We killed it. We killed it. Fuck you! (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. Now this is low. We have got to set our sights a little bit higher. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Nobody handles garbage better than we do. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. 
See, we plan ahead. That way we don't do anything right now. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Let's be honest, you've got a lot of red in your ledger. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. Is there some higher force at work here? I mean, are we asking too much of life? You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. I would venture that it matters not how you spend your money, but how you spend your life. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I mean, we could make some real money on this thing. We could get in People Magazine. You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. We don't have much of a budget, you know. It's not a high priority in Washington, okay? Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. You have asked for some uh, <laughs> unusual things. Find the details on our website. Oh, I bet you made a fortune off this. Well, somebody did. Sure wasn't me. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. Lead, follow, or get out of my way. I'll lead. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Last check. How many Twitter followers did you have, huh? Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. You're underachieving big time, my man. You should be a global brand. Come on. Associate produced by Jason Latham. There he is. Huh? The man, the myth, the legend. Now playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. Doing what I can with what I got. Now playing credits read by Brock. I just bet that you could charm a cow right out of her calf with those fancy words. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I feel I've not been privy to critical, most needful information. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. But I do not dwell on that over which I have no control. That's great. I have to do all the dwelling. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. You've been flipping off the feds longer than Wesley Snipes. It's got to be a record. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Your little jungle boat rides over, mister. 
Time to fish or cut bait. And his wife had big success on TV as the closer. Yeah. Yeah. He had his own version with uh, serial killers. I can't remember what it was called, but... Kira Sedgwick? That's his wife? I just remember seeing that commercial all the time. That's why I know who the closer is. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the few Hollywood couples to actually keep it going. Jamie Kennedy is not coming back from Shrie- <laughs> Jamie Ken- from Shriek Around. We just took him to Shriek Around and left him. <laughs> J- I wish he was coming back just so you could see him get eaten by Shriekers at the beginning of that film. <laughs> Take a shower, Jamie. It would help. Help your career. <laughs> You could have been at Shrieker Island partying. <laughs> Probably that island's in South Africa. <laughs> they pull a Lord of the Rings and just film all three of these at the same time in <laughs> South Africa. <laughs> and after the fifth day, they're like, no, Jamie, we're not putting you in this. <laughs> we're going to be in a lush forest in the desert of South Africa. You're too dirty to be Tom Hanks and Castaway on Shrieker Island. <laughs> You know, Jamie went back to the hotel after a day of shooting and, and he's like trying to get in his room and his key card's not working. He goes to the front. He's like, my key card's not working. And, he, and they're like, oh, that's because you're you're gone. You, you've been exed. You're not coming back for this third one. Like, goodbye. They had a scene in the previous one that had Jamie Kennedy like scuba diving and fighting an underwater graboid. Bullshit! He has not touched water. <laughs> he never went in any water in that movie. I refuse to believe that. I saw the scenes. He was wet. No, no. It's the same guy riding on the bike. Yeah, that wetness was from sweat. You know, he's probably OCD clean and it's just the beard, Jacob. No, that skin is dirty. That it is grimy. Like the these things are shot on high def cameras. I'm watching these on a nice a nice television. Like I'm seeing every speck of dirt on him. 